there. Welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole, and spring still doesn't know whether it's arrived here in Baltimore. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and the Twitter, and the Instagram, and of course the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash out. How good it is, pod. I have a truly fine trivia question for ye today. I would like you to tell me what these recordings have in common. The songs are Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey, Fairy Cross the Mersey by Jerry and the Pacemakers, Sister Golden Hair by America, Say 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 by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, and the 1997 version of Elton John's Candle in the Wind. All of those songs have something in common. Once again, Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey, Fairy Cross the Mersey by Jerry and the Pacemakers, Sister Golden Hair by America, Say 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 by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, and the 1997 version of Elton John's Candle in the Wind. They all have something in common. What could that be? I will have the answer for you at the end of the program. So at the behest of a listener on Instagram, I decided that it would be interesting to cover something a little bit differently, musically anyway. I've covered pop songs that have crossed over to the countryside, but I don't think I've done a song that pretty much stayed on the countryside of the line. Despite that, it's a song that most rockers can enjoy because it's got a fun sense of humor in the realm of Take This Job and Shove It, which I mentioned because it's got an interesting connection to today's tune. David Allen Coe was born in Akron, Ohio on September 6, 1939. Even as a youngster, he was a rather rebellious troublemaker who spent a lot of his youth in reform schools and correctional facilities. This continued into his young adulthood, where he got in trouble for crimes like auto theft and burglary. And he spent about five years altogether in the Ohio State Penitentiary and the Marion Correctional Institution. Now this is where the story gets a little bit hazy. See, Cohen said repeatedly that it was while he was in prison that he was inspired to pursue a musical career. That part is almost certainly true, but the part I'm having trouble substantiating is that the person in the prison who encouraged him was Screamin' Jay Hawkins, who was supposedly in the adjacent cell. The problem is, all of my research on this brings up this story, but I can't find anything from Hawkins' side that says he was in the jail at the same time as Coe. On the other hand, Coe is pretty well known for embellishing his biography with stories that aren't necessarily true. He's also said that he was on death row for killing a man in prison and that he taught Charles Manson how to play the guitar. However, it's pretty well documented that Manson learned guitar while in a Washington state prison, so there's that. I miss my Main Street women. While Coe was in prison, though, he did write some music, and when he was released from prison in 1967, he made his way to Nashville, Tennessee, to embark on his new career. Now, initially, believe it or not, he lived in a red Cadillac hearse, and on many weekends, he would park it in front of the Ryman Auditorium, which is where the Grand Ole Opry is housed. He eventually managed to get a contract with Plantation Records, and he released his first album featuring this, the title track, Penitentiary Blues, in 1969. Selling cocaine, now they're taking blood tests. 
Now, for the next few years, Coe didn't have much more than a cult following as a performer. Uh, but his songs were popular with other artists, and he wound up being not only one of Nashville's most sought-after songwriters, he managed to score a new record deal for himself with Columbia Records by the mid-1970s. And it was his second Columbia album, titled Once Upon a Rhyme, that put him in the bigger picture as a performer. Specifically, it was the closing track of the album, You Never Even Called Me By My Name, which finally put him on the country charts in a big way. And I think part of it is the song's crossover appeal. Because here's the thing, the song is both a definitive country song, while at the same time gently poking fun at definitive country songs. It was all I could do to keep from crying. You Never Even Called Me By My Name was originally written and recorded by John Prine and Steve Goodman. In fact, this is Goodman you're listening to from 1976. And it was basically Goodman's kiss-off to the Nashville music scene. You're the one who always tried to change me. Why, thank you. That is why I will always stay the same. So despite being a successful writer, he was still considered an outsider, and Coe didn't hold much esteem for that scene either. So he seemed like a pretty strong candidate to cover the song. And if you listen carefully to the lyrics, you realize that the U is not necessarily a girl. It's basically the Nashville music executives he's talking about. You don't have to call me darling, darling, but you never even call me by my name. Now, in both Goodman's version and Coe's, there's a spoken segment that introduces the last verse, but they're a little bit different because Goodman's relating it as the guy who wrote the song, while Coe frames it as a conversation he had with Goodman. In both cases, it leads to the same basic end verse, but even there, there are a few differences, and I want to—I want you to listen to them to compare. So let's come in with Coe's version first, because I think the setup is a little bit better. Well, a friend of mine named Steve Goodman wrote that song, and he told me it was the perfect country and western song. I wrote him back a letter, and I told him it was not the perfect country and western song, because he hadn't said anything at all about Mama or trains, or trucks, or prison, or getting drunk. Well, he sat down and wrote another verse to the song, and he sent it to me, and after reading it, I realized that my friend had written the perfect country and western song, and I felt obliged to include it on this album. The last verse goes like this here. Well, I was drunk. Day my mom got out of prison And I went to pick her up in the rain But before I could get to the station in the pickup truck She got robbed over by a dam Train. And I'll hang around this long 
And now let's listen to Goodman's version from that same show at the Capitol Theater in 1976, which we were listening to before, which I think works especially well because of the audience response. That's a lot to get in one song. We missed all the good stuff. Dallas, dope, dogs, divorce. First five things I could think of were uh, mother, prison, farms, trucks, and trains in no particular order. Mother, prison, trains, trucks, and farms. Since this song's already four minutes long, and you can't really have a good country song without any of that stuff in there. I just, mother, prison, trains, trucks, and farms. I just tacked this verse on the end of the song. Ever since the day my mama went to prison. That's been the same And you know that when they let her out the last two days Then she drove her goddamn truck into a So Coe's version spent 17 weeks on the Billboard Country Singles chart, eventually peaking at number eight, and it managed to make it to number four on the Canadian Country Charts. And now you know that the Canadian Country Chart is a thing, right? Probably the most notable cover of the song comes from 1994, when it was recorded by Doug Supernall with cameo appearances from David Allen Coe himself, plus Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, and Charlie Pride, all of whom are name-checked in the second verse of the song. And I have to agree with the review by Entertainment Weekly, which called it an interesting track, but it's also probably in the wrong key for the guest vocalist. At any rate, that recording made it to number 60, 60 on the Billboard Country Chart, and to number 68 on that Canadian chart. Now it's time, thank you, to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you what these songs have in common. Okay. They were Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey, uh, Ferry Cross the Mersey by Jerry and the Pacemakers, Sister Golden Hair by America, Say, Say, Say by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, and the 1997 version of Elton John's Candle in the Wind. You give up, huh? Do you? The answer is they were all produced by George Martin. Now, Martin is generally known for producing all of the Beatles albums, but he had a career both before and after the Beatles. He produced for a bunch of the Mercy Beat artists like Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas and the aforementioned Jerry and the Pacemakers. But he also did a bunch of comedy albums, including two for Peter Sellers in the 1950s. His post-Beatles work would include albums by Kenny Rogers, UFO, Cheap Trick, Elton John, Little River Band, and Celine Dion. He was a remarkably talented man, whom we lost in 2016. And that's a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a rating somewhere. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or 
You can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at How Good It Is Pod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash how good it is pod. Or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thanks as usual to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. And next time around, we're going to find out how good it is when you've got somebody to love. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next time. We'll be right back.